Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, guys. That's awesome. Very good. You may be seated. We're going to jump right into the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, Linda DeMent's going to be our, our um, reader this morning. It's funny because I thought Linda read for us a long time ago. And she didn't. So she's wondering why everybody else in the church is getting to read but her. And I'm like, it's because I don't like you, Linda. That's why I'm saying. But uh, no, she... She very nicely brought it to my attention. I'm like, are you kidding? Seriously, I thought you read like six months ago. And she's like, no. So I actually thought this week I would change my message to, to John 15, 30. Jesus wept. <laughs> and have her read that. But you're not going to get off that easy. We're going to have you read. It's only 20 verses this time. Okay. So somebody, has, somebody had to read 36 a few weeks ago. So you, you got up easy. So follow along with us as Linda reads for us this morning. Oh, yes, I do. Thank you. Almost blew you, well, blew you off again. So, Lauren, if you I don't think it's working. Oh, there it is. There it is. Um, so, Gary couldn't avoid having me up here anymore. So, here I am. <laughs> um, that's fine. Uh, uh, so, Gary asked about um, just sharing how I came to know the Lord briefly. Um, and so, uh, my story is uh, getting to know God as a child, just calling out to him. Um, my childhood was full of, of um, love and so many beautiful things, um, but as it happens sometimes, um, there was also darkness. So I did experience um, abuse as a child, and so I cried out to God, and he came to me and um, comforted me and helped me through a very, very dark time, and um, I just, I, I felt his presence, that he was real and that he was good. Um, and then I got older, and I wondered if I had trusted in God because I was going through hard stuff, and I just needed something to hold on to. So um, as an adult, I, I asked God again to show me if he was real. Um, and I opened myself up to explore uh, the different worldviews that there are in the world. Um, and I, if I was going to be a Christian, I needed to know why. I wasn't a Mormon. Why was I not a Jehovah's Witness? Why was I not an atheist? What was the, what was the real difference? What, what, what's going on with all of these differences? Um, and um, he was so faithful and so good um, to reveal himself to me over and over and over and over again, um, just Amen. demonstrating his rightful claim of having authority over my life. Amen. It was he was it. All of these other worldviews couldn't stand up to the questions that I had. Um, and I'm so thankful that he is patient and he is kind um, because I was a little bit crazy and I was really going down a dark path. Um, and I'm so thankful that um, he allowed me to see who he really is and to accept um, his authority that actually brings freedom. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. That's an awesome story. Great. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 30. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts, if your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as you 
took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in his book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in the heaven is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth, in your heart, so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your hearts turn away, and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give him. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, here we go. My podium disappeared. Okay, I'll let. I'll get that. It's right here. Golly. Man, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. Golly. Here we go. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing from your heart, Linda. We appreciate that so much. How many remember um, this show right here? What's this show? Where we go? Touch, touch. There we go. Let's make a deal. What's his name? Wayne Brady. Yeah. And then. Somebody was saying, who was the guy before them? Monty Hall. Monty Hall. You're dating yourself there, right? If, if you knew it was Monty Hall, you're old like me and Mark, okay? So that's what this show was way back when. Of course, this guy had lots of problems, but that's a whole other story. But if you don't know this show, they would, he would always offer people money for something. Or if anybody has a red pen in their purse, I'll give you $100, you know, and do all kinds of stuff. And it was, it was fun. But then the, the climax of the show was when one of the main winners would come down and they got to choose a prize behind door number one, number two, or number three. <clears throat> and of course, what you wanted was the new car, you know? But sometimes if you didn't pick right, you got stuck with something like a llama, you know, or something really weird or some crazy prize that you didn't want, you know? And so you were like, oh man, and they would show you, oh, you should have guessed door number three. And so, what Moses is presenting before Israel today is two doors. There, there's a door that uh, requires obedience but leads to blessing. And there's a door of disobedience. And if you choose to go through that door, it's going to lead to curses. And, and he's warning the nation of Israel. And God is like really tightening up the screws on the nation of Israel because they're going to go into a promised land. And he's going to use them as an example for generations of believers to come. So not everything that he commanded Deuteronomy apply to us, okay? So we don't have to worry about, you know, wearing polyester or different things like that that they were forbidden to do. But there was a lot of unique commands for them so that they understand that they are unique, chosen people of God. Now, there's a lot of biblical principles we can still apply today. And we'll talk about the difference between the two. But basically, as we read this passage that Linda just so beautifully read for us, and any time you read in the Bible, look for repetition. You may say, well, I don't understand the Bible. It's hard. This is one of the keys to help you understand. For example, as you look at the whole passage, you will see the phrase, the Lord your God, 16 times. 16 times. So that tells us that God is trying to tell you something, okay? He didn't say the Lord the God. 
He's the Lord, your God. He's saying, I want to enter into a relationship with you. I want this to be personal. You know, if you say, hey, there's Tammy, that's one thing. If I say, hey, my Tammy, only, only like one person in this room could say, my Tammy, okay? And God is saying, I want this to be such an intimate relationship between you and God that you call him the Lord, your God. He's not just a God amongst many. Another phrase that you'll see three times is, all your heart and all your soul. All your heart, all your soul. Three times it's re repeated. So we want to take note of that. Another phrase you'll see three times is, I have set before you. And he's referring to the two doors, okay? So three, at the beginning, middle, and towards the end, he's saying, look, I'm laying out the table here for you. The choice is yours is what he's trying to imply. And then you will see the phrase today seven times. Seven times. That, that's so important that we follow that. And then you also will see the phrase love or loving. Love or loving. Again, three times. And, of course, we can get all into the numbers, but you know most of that story. You also see the word obey five times. So obedience is tied into that whole theme as well. So let, one of the things I want you to know today, as you read your Bible this week in your paper Bible or your U version, is the point I want you to know is where there's repetition, there's revelation. Where there's repetition, there's revelation. God is trying to reveal something to you. He's not just being redundant. He didn't graduate from the redundancy school of redundancy. He is trying to let you know that there's a pattern here, and he wants you to see it. So a lot of times, you know, we're reading through Leviticus. Oh, man, I just said this over and over again. Golden rings and golden rings. What's with the lampstands and the golden rings? There's a reason for it, okay? God's not wasting any words. The Bible, when you think about all that it includes and how much history that it includes, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is actually a pretty small book. You could be a Mormon and have, walk the church with this, okay? Because <laughs> they got the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Book of Mormon, you know? And, and of course, you know that that's true, except for the Old Testament, New Testament, which they don't hardly touch. But if God has such a short book, relatively speaking, that covers a lot of history, if he repeats something, pay attention, okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pay attention to what he's repeated. So first of all, we're going to talk about choosing the right door. In fact, that's the whole message. And I'm going to give you six ways quickly to help you choose the right door. Because how many of you have chosen the wrong door at one point in your life? Amen? And the rest of you all are lying. Raise your hand again if you've chosen the wrong door at some point in your life. I, I still see hands down. I don't know. Talk to me after church and let me know why you're so perfect. All right, number one, remember God gives you choice. Remember God gives you choice. We have, you know, people who believe in Calvinism, which... I understand that, and we believe it, and the Bible does clear, clearly teach election and predestination, all that stuff like that, and the steps are ordered and all that stuff. And how that can be true, and we have free will, I can't, I can't explain all that to you, because my little brain can't comprehend it, but I know both are very clear in the Bible. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve, and at the same time says, God chose you before the foundations of the earth. And, it's, and as I've shared this analogy before, is Jesus 100% man? Yes. Is he 100% God? Yes. How can both of those be true? I don't know, but the Bible clearly teaches both. So when, if we're not careful, we can fall into what's called fatalism. Well, that was just meant to be and whatever, and so, yeah. And, and then we'll change anything in our life and learn lessons from No, what just happened was because of your bad choices. You shouldn't have been texting and driving. You shouldn't have been drinking that night. You shouldn't have been doing all these things. And you can't just sit there and say, well, it was just meant to be. Now, can God use our stupidity? Yes, he does every day. But does that resolve us or absolve us from making foolish choices? Absolutely not. So don't be fatalistic about things. Realize that you have choices and you honor God by the choices you make. Every day you make 100 choices or more and you honor God by the choices you make. Number two, decide that the Lord is God. And I'm going to go through these quickly. I didn't mean to preach the first point all together. Number three, do it all with all your heart when you make the choices. Number four, prove it by obeying. Number five, renew your commitment daily. And number six, that love be your motivation. These are the six points that Moses is trying to make here to the children of Israel as they're about to go into the promised land. So let's start with number one. Remember that God gives you a choice. It's interesting that he gets into a little prophecy here. He says, verse 1, he said, and when all these things come upon you, what things is he talking about? He's talking about the blessings and the curses. He knows they're going to mess up. In fact, he even says, 
you're going to be carried away from this land because you're going to disobey. And, and kings that you don't even know about, and he's talking about Babylon and Syria, are going to come, take you and take your children slaves and carry you off because you're, I know that what I'm telling you today, you're not going to obey. <laughs> Moses knows this, doesn't he? And, and it's, fun, it's funny, the passage I think about often is in 1 John, it says, you know, little children, I write these things unto you that you would not sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's sitting there saying, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. But I know you're going to sin, so go confess it to Jesus. And that's the way we are with, we have to be with one another. We want to uphold a standard, be holy as I am holy. But we all know we're not going to make that without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. So we, we're going to make mistakes. And he, he sets that before him. He says, so when you mess up, just remember that the blessing and the curse, which I, I've said it before you, you have a choice. It's interesting, he uses this phrase, Three times, verse 1, verse 15, and verse 19. But it's interesting, as I was looking at this, all throughout Deuteronomy, he talks about blessing and cursing, blessing and cursing. But then when he gets here in verse 1, he says, the blessing and the curse. And I had to stop and say, wait a minute. You know, is that actually in the Hebrew? And yes, it is. The article's there. Why all of a sudden he's talk, has he shifted gears here? It's because he's not just talking about blessing in general or a curse in general. He's talking about the blessing of Abraham. And, and let's just talk about that for just a second. He, in, a, in Genesis chapter 12, this is how all this got started with Israel. The Lord said to Abram, before his name was changed, I want you to go from your country, which is the Ur of the Chaldees, it's basically in modern day Iraq. I want you to leave your country, leave your people, leave your whole family. Which, did he obey that completely? No, he brought Lot, which Lot brought him a lot of trouble later. And so, he, he didn't do that completely. To the land, I will show you. He says, and here's the promise. And is, the promise has seven aspects to it, sevenfold promise. He says, I'll, number one, I'll make you a great nation. Number two, I will bless you as a great nation. Number three, I will make your name as a nation great. And number four, you will actually be a blessing to the nations around you and to the whole world. He said, and I promise I will bless those who bless you. In other words, people... Surrounding countries, if they bless you, I'm going to make their economy prosperous. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And God repeated that all throughout history. In fact, you see that even today. When people mess with Israel, you will see bad things begin to happen. And then promise number seven, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And how has that come true? Where did you get your Bible? Through Israel. Where did you get your Messiah? Through Israel. Everything that God has done, he's working through this nation even to this day. And again, Paul says he has put a partial hardness on the hearts of Israel so that they will not believe. But in, in the latter days, he's going to lift the scales from their eyes so that they will believe. But this is the promise that, that Moses reminded them about. He's saying, remember that God chose our forefather, our founding father, Abraham, and he gave him this promise that had seven aspects to it. And then he says, so... So I've set this blessing before you. Don't forget what Abraham said, that he will bless those who bless you, and I'm going to use you as a nation. Keep that in your mind. In fact, think about that. When, when you kind of stray in life, maybe on your job you're not as motivated as you once were, maybe in your marriage you're not as motivated as you once were, or as a parent, you need to recall your purpose. He says you, you need to call that to mind. And if Israel would say, hey, you know what? We're the chosen people of God. We're the ones he's going to bring scripture through. He's the one that's going to bring the Messiah through. I need to act like an Israelite. Act like one you know, and, and keep that purpose in mind. You know what? If you will do that, it'll make you a better husband. Hey, wait a minute. I'm not just stuck with this person. I have been called by God to be a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride, and together we're painting a picture of the gospel to the world. Man, if that doesn't make you a better spouse, I don't know what will. And if you, if you remind yourself that as a parent, that, wait a minute, I'm not just raising kids to make me look good. I'm doing what Micah said. I'm bringing up a godly seed, an offspring, to carry the gospel to the nations. It, all these things will change it if you'll focus, if you'll call them to mind, call to mind your purpose. And then he says, I have set before you something else. Life and good over here. Notice that true life and living is based on good living. And death you know, where you're just dying spiritually and physically eventually is a result of evil. So he does these couplets here. And then the third time he says, I've set before you something else. Now he's done life and death, 
blessing and cursing. So he's presented three different ways, and I could probably spend an hour on that, but I won't. But it's worthy to note how he makes the choices very clear. So the first thing he's saying is, I want you to keep in mind God's promises. Whenever you're feeling depressed, whenever you're feeling down, spend some time saying the promises of God. You know, I will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, you just keep quoting the promises of God to you, and that will get you back on track. And the next thing he says, I've also set before you, not just God's promises, but I've set before you, you've got to make daily choices. You can choose a, a, a lifestyle that's of life and good, or you can choose a lifestyle of death and evil. The choice, again, is yours. And the third thing he says I set before you is basically this is a matter of survival. He says, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. This was a matter of survival. If they were going to stay in Israel, they had to do what God said. And you see this prophecy become true with Ezekiel and Jeremiah where they didn't obey. So God says, okay, you want to, you want to serve me or do you want to serve these nations? And he dragged them out. And what's interesting is all the things he did to Egypt, he did something similar to his own people to show them, hey, you want to act like Egypt? Here you go. This is what it's like to live like Egypt, like people in the world. So number two, decide the Lord is your God. Decide the Lord is your God. So again, how many times? 16 times in, in 20 verses, he says, the Lord your God. There's a theme there. Well, there's repetition, there's revelation, right? He says, and to return to the Lord your God. Every time you stray from, away from God, the door is never locked. You can always come back. You can always repent. You can always return. You return to who? To Jehovah. That's what Lord in all uppercase means. He's personal. He lets you call him by name, but he's not just on a first name basis. He's your God. Like I say, my Tammy. You can say, my God, my Lord, my Jehovah, and he's your God. What is your God? God is the, the, all, the, the mighty one. He's the Eloi or the Elohim. It means that he's the one that calls the shots. You're thinking about a career change? Did you ask your God? You're thinking about buying a new house? Did you ask your God? I mean, you could just insert boss there if you want, but if you have a bad boss, don't. Just scrap that. But anyway, but if you think someone I submit to, and, and does God only want you to pray to him about the big decisions? No. In all things, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. It's funny how many times people make Big, big decisions, and it all falls apart, and they tell me about it and say, Pastor, I don't know what happened. I'm like, did you pray before you made this decision? Well, no, we just kind of saw the opportunity and went for it. Man, that just causes so much destruction and so much pain when we don't acknowledge the Lord as our God in a personal way. And then we'll notice this. He's telling them to make a choice for you and your children. Okay? This is not going to be very popular today, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Your kids don't have a choice in going to the dentist, do they? I hope not. I don't think your kids have a choice on everything they eat. I'm sure you have to be a little bit flexible, but Tammy puts down, Isaiah hates anything that's green, okay? But Tammy will put like maybe two green beans on his plate and say, you're going to eat those. And we've had times when he was younger, last week, when he just sat at the table, <laughs> just kidding. No, he does a much better job. He does a much better job. But there was times he sat at the table for like an hour and some, just looking at him. And just tears like that. And we're like, no, you're not going to win this battle. And now he will eat some green things. He will eat some vegetables. But we don't let our kids just have candy bars for dinner all day, I hope. And then do, do your kids choose their bedtime? I sure hope not. Do your kids choose whether or not they get to br whether they're going to brush their teeth? No. Don't tell me you can't choose to train up your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I hear parents say, well, you know, I believe in Jesus and stuff, but I'm going to let my kids decide for themselves. No, you teach them the Bible. You pray with them. You read them Bible stories. You do all that stuff. It's not brainwashing unless you consider the world is full of filth and you're washing that stuff out. I guess you can call that brainwashing. But Joshua 24, 15 says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And he makes a bold statement. But as for me and my house, I can speak for my wife and I can speak for my kids. We will serve the Lord. And you can do that. And as long as they're living in your roof, they will, they're going to have a drug problem. They're going to be drugged to church every Sunday. And they're going to be taken out. So they, they need to understand, if you want to live here, you live by my rules. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to go to bed. You're going to eat your vegetables. And we're going to church. It's not, it's not a choice. 
No choice. You live here, this is what we do. This is what our family does. And when you do it right, it just seems natural. I mean, you, you look at some of the kids that are in the service here, like Josh this morning. Josh got here early with his dad. He's walking around with a smile on his face, helping set up all this. It was like, oh, man, Dad, do I have to? Do I have to? The Pattersons just say, this is our lifestyle. We're Pattersons. We're Christians. This is what we do. And when you do it right and you do it that way and you don't make it a, a matter of choice, then it's just part of your lifestyle. And it will, believe me, it will pay off if you do it the right way. But be prepared as a parent, though, to answer some tough questions that they will have honest, and you need to have honest answers like, you know, I don't know, but let's find out. You know, we don't have to, as Christian parents, have all the answers, okay? In fact, we, there's some things we will never have an answer to. But, you know, here's a great quote I found yesterday. I'm sorry, Thursday I found this. Uh, feels like yesterday. It says, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questions. Richard Feynman, a theoretical physicist. Did you know we live in a world today where there are answers that cannot be questioned? We are told that there are, I don't know, I've lost count now, 19 different genders or whatever. And if you question that, you are a hate-filled, homophobic, you know, right-wing fundamentalist bigot. I'm like, um, I still see X and Y chromosomes. What? No, shut up. Shut up, you hater. You hater. We'll cancel you. And they will just shut you down. You can say, you know what? I love homosexuals, but I just don't agree with their lifestyle. Oh, oh, oh. you're fired. You're out of here. Uh, one of Isaiah's teammates, his mom, got fired this last week because she didn't agree with the opinions of the company. And we're talking about things that just 20 years ago were common sense. And now common sense is out the window. This, this past week in the Olympics, it actually happened a week before, a guy from Iran won the gold medal in marksmanship. He's a terrorist. The International Olympic Committee knew he was a member of a terrorist organization. This guy shoots innocent people as a lifestyle. And he was allowed to be in the Olympics and win the gold medal. <laughs> we had men in the women's weightlifting competition. I'm like, are, have we lost our minds? And I'm saying all this to tell you, parents, you're swimming against the stream. Worse than ever thought imaginable. And we thought things were bad. Our generation ago, we complained, oh, Jesus is coming. Look how bad things are. It, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. The floodgates are fixing to happen. But you need to, I would rather have questions about the Bible that can't be answered than to have answers that can't be questioned. So just be prepared for that as parents that you're going to make a choice for your children to serve the Lord. Number three, when you make that decision, do it with all your heart. The biggest thing that makes kids walk away from the faith is because mom and dad weren't really doing it. They weren't really committed. If they were a little bit tired, oh, we've got to sleep in today. But then, man, Monday morning, 4.30, they're out the door. You know, if they don't see that you do this and you serve God with all your heart, they're not going to take it seriously either. Whatever you do in moderation, they will do in excess. You need to commit to doing this with all your heart. He says, for the Lord your God, again, will take delight in you in prospering you. God, God looks at you and says, man, I just, I'm a good father. I want to just give you everything. You know how you are with your, with your kids, right? You want to just give them. You don't want to spoil them rotten, but you, you want to give them so much. But if they won't obey, it's like you're not even responsible enough, and I want to give you these things. And I, in fact, I delight in these things just like I delight in your fathers. That's what I do. He says, and when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in the book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with what? Everybody read this together with me. With all your heart and with all your soul. It's got to be a commitment. God has given you his very best in Jesus Christ. He didn't send down an angel like the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. He became man and sacrificed himself. And if he's willing to give his all, he deserves our all. The only way that you can obey God with all your heart and your soul is to get past the I have to mentality and grow into a I delight to mindset. Watch the words you say. <laughs> oh, well, we have to go to church. We get to go to church. <laughs> and, and I'm not just saying change your words. Change the mindset. Change the mentality. You know, you, it's not like, oh, I have to, it's my turn to go set up chairs. Man, I can't wait to go set up chairs. This God delights in this. This is what he wants me to do. And then you, you make that mindset. And your, your kids will see that mindset, by the way, too. You need to make it to where you want to do this and you delight in it. Not just, 
It's not just a bunch of laws. David said in Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. And that, by the way, is the key. When, you get, when you're not just into the scriptures, but the scriptures are into you, man, you're just like ready to go. You're ready to serve the Lord with gladness. Picture, you know, a guy dating a girl. Well, here you go. Here's the flowers. Check. Here's the candy. Check. Man, I'm glad I got that done. Don't think there's an engagement happening anytime soon here, right? You know, he's sacrificing finances. He's going to the store. He's making the effort. He's doing all this. Why is this guy making all this effort? He, to win her heart because he loves her. Because he loves her. When you find yourself struggling to obey God, when you find yourself struggling to get into the word, when you find yourself struggling to do anything that's related to God, it's not an obedience issue. It's a heart issue. You see, the things I do for Tammy, it's like, oh, I have to. It's because I love her and I want to. So fall in love with Jesus again so you can get back to the place of obedience and blessing. When we delight in the empty promises of our idols, though, we stop delighting in the Lord. Idols will kill it every time. When money, success, material possessions, attention from others, body image, or any of those things become more important then God, then you see that delighting in the Lord starts to subside rapidly. Number four, prove it by obeying. Prove it by obeying. Moses is getting pretty sarcastic here. He says, you know, it's not like what God asked you to do is way up there in heaven that you got to just, oh, who's going to go up there and get it for us so we can obey God? And then he says, and it's not like it's beyond the sea and we're not a sailing nation. Israel never had a navy, by the way. Okay, so it's not like it's beyond the sea over there so that we can go over there and get that. You know, don't make all these lame excuses. And he says, for the commandment that I command you to this day, what God is requiring you to do, it's not too hard for you. People will say all the time, I just don't know, the Christian life just seems so hard. The things that God's asking you to do, they're not too hard, and they're not far away where, okay, maybe I can do them, but it's not here, it's over there. You know, he's taking away all their excuses. He said, but the word is very near you. And think about this. He's talking to people who do not own a Bible. They're not walking around with their Gideon's New Testament in their pocket. Everything they knew was where? In their mouth. They memorized scripture. By the way, you're not too old to memorize scripture. Okay? Amen, Charles? You're not too old to memorize scripture. I wasn't picking on Charles. I'm commending the guy who does it. Okay? I'll pick on you later, though, okay? Um, it needs to be in your heart, because what, what did Jesus say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason you can't quote any scriptures because you haven't put any scriptures in your heart. And when you quote scriptures and they come out of your mouth, guess what? So that you can do it. So you're not able to do this. Man, I keep trying this. I keep failing. Wait, let's back up. Are you able to quote the scriptures that tell you what to do? No. Is it in your heart? No. Have you been spending time in the Word? Oh, okay, here's where we need to start. You spend time in the Word, so the Word gets in you, it gets into your heart, it comes out your mouth, you start obeying. And next thing you know, it flows. And it's not like, it's not like oh, it's, being a Christian is so hard. It, yes, we do fail, we do, we do make mistakes, but when it becomes part of your lifestyle, it's just like Sunday's the best day of the week. Monday morning, you just the first thing you want to open. It's not like, oh, I have to do the 2021 challenge. I get to open the Bible, and I get to see what God, my God, is going to say to me this morning. Verse 16 says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, and how do you do it? By loving the Lord your God, by walking. It's a lifestyle. Think about this. Who have you gone, for, who have you gone on a walk with? When's the last time you went for a walk with someone? Just a walk. Was it a total stranger? <laughs> Did you go on a long walk with your boss? Probably not. You probably walked away as fast as you could, okay? You, you go on the walk with your spouse, with your kids, with a good friend, someone that you're close to. And hear me, Revolution Church, that's what God wants to be. He wants to be your husband. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your heavenly father who takes you by the hand and goes on a walk. Christianity is not a list of rules and do's and don'ts. It's a lifestyle. We're walking with the Lord, and we're doing all this because we love him. Back in in 1971, Stanford University put on what was called the marshmallow test, okay? And they 
they worked with four and five-year-olds, and they put them in a room, and they said, here's a marshmallow. Don't touch it. I don't know if they said don't touch it. They said don't eat it. I'm acting like Eve in the garden. Sorry. They just said you can't eat the marshmallow. I'll be back in 15 minutes. If you haven't eaten the marshmallow, I will give you a second marshmallow. So you'll get twice as many marshmallows to eat if you will just not touch this marshmallow for 15 minutes. And YouTube the videos. It's hilarious, especially this one kid right here, uh, bottom left. I mean, he's sniffing it. He's like just dying the whole time. But anyway, these kids, it was interesting to watch them. And some gave in and ate the marshmallow, and some didn't. And what they did, what's most interesting about this is 30 years later, they kept up with these kids to see where they were at in their life. The ones who practiced delayed gratification and said no to the marshmallow for just 15 minutes. I can say no to marshmallow for 15 years. I hate marshmallows. But anyway, but they couldn't do it for, some couldn't do it for 15 minutes. The ones who did had higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, lower likelihood of obesity. Imagine that, a marshmallow. Better responses to stress better social skills, and that's just the beginning of the list. Now, they were only four and five years old, but this little marshmallow was a major indicator of their future. Why? Because did their, did their parents teach them, you don't always get what you want, or did they always give them what they wanted? Did they teach them delayed gratification or instant gratification? You see, we see 34 and 35-year-olds having temper tantrums, they just know how to do it in a, more, in a more professional way, but they're still doing it because mom and dad never said no when they were young. You didn't know you were going to get a parental lesson today, did you? Luke 9.23 says, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, you want to be my disciple? Let him deny who? Himself. It's not deny that person who always pulls you down. The person who pulls you down more often than not is right here. Okay? It's not deny all those evil people because they're the ones who make me sin. You need to deny yourself. Take up your cross. Not a very pleasant image. How many of you have been watching The Chosen? Okay. Man, if you're not, you need to do that. In season two, Jesus is walking into town with the disciples, and there's guys being crucified, which was a daily thing on. And he just pauses and just looks at them, thinking, that's going to be me someday. It wasn't a pleasure. This is something that Jews at this time knew well about. It'd be like, take up your electric chair. That'd be a good, take up your noose, if I was to say it in those ways today. And take up something that's not very comfortable, denying yourself, saying no to what your lust and your passions, your desires, and your ego wants. And you take that off, how often? Daily, and you follow me. Teaching your kids to deny yourself is one of the best things you can ever do. Don't give them everything you want. One time, when we were over at Bounstown, and uh, this mom told, actually it was a dad, that more likely, right? Dad told this son, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go in five minutes, and finally it's okay. So I'm going, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Picks him up. The kid is literally punching and kicking his dad, and his dad just can't handle him. Or puts him down and says, hey, if, if we go, we'll go get some ice cream. And so the kid dries it up and they go out. What did he just teach that child? That if you throw a big enough fit, you get what you want. And I'm telling you, there's adults that still do this today, and they're, they're not the minority anymore. Okay, the majority of the people out there are, are, I want what I want, and I want it now. I don't care if it's wrong. Nobody tells me what's wrong or right. I determine my own truth. I want what I want. And they will throw a fit, and they will burn down buildings, and they'll do whatever they want until they get what they want. Renew your commitment daily. Seven times. It's an important number, right? That says today, today. Every day they had to wake up and say, hey, am I going to obey God? Or am I going to do what I want to do? Am I going to choose what's right? Or am I going to choose what's wrong? Luke 9, 23, what did Jesus say? Take it, let him deny himself. How often? Daily. I got saved when I was nine years old. I'm 57. Okay, do the math there. 48 years I've been trying to follow Christ. Every single day I tell Gary, shut up. Gary, shut up. You're not getting what you want. You need to do what Jesus says. You don't get to this point where eventually it's like, oh, I, I, all I want now is to serve God all the time, 100% of the time. No, it gets better, <laughs> but it never totally goes away. Until the day you die and God gives you a glorified body, you will always wrestle with this flesh. You, that struggle is real, and it will always, always be there. Let me ask you a question, and you fill in the blank. Right here. I just don't think I could ever give up 
You don't have to say it out loud. Please don't. Thanks. <laughs> what comes to your mind? Facebook. Some of you can't go 20 minutes without it. I, I would challenge you to go a week or more without it. I, the, number one, people, people say my cell phone. Have you ever seen people, they leave something behind, oh, it's okay, I'll get it later. Their cell phone, it's like, ah, and they're totally freaked out, like, where's their cell phone? Pornography. Food. Alcohol. Attention from others. The need to feel important. What's your blank there? That blank will reveal to you your idol. And that idol is what's keeping you from serving God with all your heart and all your soul. When you can do without that, and that, that's the whole point of fasting, right? To tell our flesh, you don't get what you want, and for this 24-hour period, or this 72-hour period, or even just this today's lunch, you're not getting what you want, because I want to show that the spirit man is the one that's in control. He says, for this commandment that I command you today, today, again, seven times, it's not too hard for you. So think about what you would have trouble saying no to. All Jesus is asking you is today, lay it down. Today, be a good husband. I don't know if I could be married to her for the rest of my life. Forget the rest of your life. Be married to her today. Be a good husband today. I don't know if I could deal with these kids anymore. Just get through today. What, what, what do they say in Alcoholics Anonymous? One day at a time. You see, when you try to start living the Christian life months and months and years ahead of time, I'm not saying don't plan, but you're just trying to think about how long it is, it seems like an arduous task. But if you say, you know what, today... I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to live for Jesus. Today, I'm going to be Christ-like. I may not, I may fall flat on my face tomorrow, and I've messed up a whole bunch in the past, but forget about all that, and don't worry about all that. Jesus says tomorrow has enough burdens of its own. You focus on today. And whatever it is that you think is dragging you down, forget about, I can't know if I can do without it for a week, or a year, or all the rest of my life. Just let's do it today, and let's focus on that. And what's so funny is in verse 18, it says, I declare to you today. Moses has been preaching what, what the book of Deuteronomy, like most books of the Bible are over a span of years. Deuteronomy is really literally over a few days. This is the guy who stood before the burning bush and stuttered. I'm not a good speaker, Lord. Maybe you should pick somebody else, like, you know, my brother Aaron or whatever. And he's like, I don't really want to be a spokesman for you. And now here he is speaking to one and a half million people for three days. He's preaching the longest sermon, longer than I ever preached, okay? And it, it's so funny. But how did Moses get from a stutterer who didn't want to talk at all and was shy to where he's preaching to a million and a half people for a few days? How did he get there? One day at a time. One day at a time. It didn't get better overnight. And your problem is not going to get better overnight. Now, sometimes God delivers you like that. But most of the time, it's a slow, steady, progressive sanctification. Every day, a little more like Jesus, a little less of me. A little more of Jesus, a little less of me. And he, that's how Moses got to where he was, to where he was speaking eloquently in front of all these people. Can God change this man? Yes, he can. Can God change you? Amen. Yes, he can. We all need changing, right? And finally, the last point, let love be your motivation. Let love be your motivation. He says, but if your heart turns away, See, the first thing that turns away isn't our disobedience. It, it's, not our, it's not our lifestyle. It's, it's not our finances. It's our heart that moves away first. In fact, so many, people, so many people, their heart can be gone for a long time, and they're still doing all, all the right things. Isn't that kind of the premise of the prodigal son? How many sons went astray? Two. One was just still hanging around the house, just talking behind his father's back but doing everything his father wanted him to do, but with a bad attitude. The other one was at least honest enough to say, hey, I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. I'm going to go party. And he left. But they were both far away from God because their hearts had turned away. And he says, and you will not hear, but you are drawn away to what? Worship other gods. Worship is what it's all about. What do you worship? What gets you excited? What gets you up off the couch like, yeah? You know, I mean, we all have our favorite sports teams. You know, some of us, like, teams that lose all the time and some of us like teams that lose more but we're all pretty that's the way if you if you like texas football either way your teams stink so anyway um but that's a whole nother story uh i do have to tell a dallas cowboy joke though so the dallas cowboy logo 
it, the star, it's not really a logo, it's a rating. Okay, one star. <laughs> All right. But you, you've been there. Some, you guys have actually been to the stadium, right? And you guys, Jesus first, Cowboys somewhere, right? But there's people in that stadium. It's Cowboys live and die, Cowboys. And Jesus who? What? <laughs> you know? And there's some people about the way about the Astros, whatever. And we worship other things. And sometimes we worship worship. Seen that, Chris? Ever seen that before? Churches are like, well, they don't sing the songs I like, and I don't really care for the way he preaches, and I don't know. It's just not really, I'm not feeling it. And so they go to another church. It's like, wait a minute. Were you worshiping Jesus? Because that's what they were talking about, I'm pretty sure. Or were you worshiping the style of the way you want? And I've seen it in modern churches. I've also seen old churches. Well, bless God, we got to sing out of God's book, the hymnal. And if we don't sing out of the hymnal, I ain't singing off no wall. And these churches are dying by the thousands all across America. You've got to be KJV only, and we've got to sing out a hymn book, and we're going to wear ties, and we're going to wear a dress at church, bless God. You know? And you know what they're worshiping? They're a way of worship. Jesus hasn't been in that church in decades. But they are stuck on the way they're going to do it. And, and again, the old-fashioned churches can do it. The modern churches can do it. You know what? If you're on vacation, you walk into a church where people love Jesus, and they sing a little different than you do, and they preach a little different than you, but it's focused on the gospel, it's worship. And that's, that's what we need to focus on. I would rather go to a church that preaches the gospel, and I can't stand the music because it's southern gospel, but I'd rather be there than a church that's rocking it every Sunday, but the sermon is most, nothing more than a motivational speech. Man, Gary went from preaching to meddling. Here we go. All right, verse 19. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And how do you do that? By loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to your church? No, Holding fast to your religion? No. Holding fast to your Bible? No, not even that. Although all those things are good. Holding fast to Jesus. You know, your church may let you down. You may not understand everything you read in the Bible, but Jesus will never let you down. You walk away from your church, they may have messed up, but you can't walk away from God. You go find another Bible-believing church or whatever you need to do. But you hold fast to him. You know why? Not just that he gives you life, he is your life. Jesus is all the difference in the world. So we remember God gives us a choice. Choose this day. Decide that the Lord is not just a God or my family's God, but he is your God. And make that commitment with all your heart. Prove that you love him by obeying. Remove, renew that commitment every single day and do it out of love. God, Moses sets before them choices. Which door will you walk through? A door of obedience that leads to blessing. See, we, we, you know what we want? Bless me, God, and I'll obey. God says, no, obey, and I'll bless you. Or we choose what's behind door number two in disobedience, and we pay for the consequences for it. You see, let's walk through some scenarios here. You can choose to worship Jesus on Sunday, or you can sleep in. One door leads to blessing. One door leads to negative consequences. I can make myself go to work or I can call in sick, right? We honor God by our choices. Uh, I can deny my lusts and be faithful to my spouse and to my Lord, or I can give in to this sexual temptation. I can tell the truth and then work through the, the consequences. I'm going to suffer because I, I told the truth. Or I can just tell a little white lie. I can live for my future, my kids, and my kids' future, sorry, and eternity, or I can just live for the moment. We have choices all day, every day. As Christians, we don't keep his commandments to become a child of God, but because we are the children of God. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I'm not giving you all these things to do so that you can become a Christian. I am challenging God's people, God's children, to obey their father because they are already in that relationship with him. You see, if you've not been born again, maybe you're exploring Christianity, maybe you're watching online, you stumbled across Revolution Church, and you're kind of figuring out Christianity. If you've not been born again, a day that you've been saved, and you're trying to keep these commandments, they will crush you. You know, I always get kind of annoyed when people refer to Jesus as, oh, he's a really good example to follow. He's an impossible example to follow. Did you know that? You if you want to be exactly like Jesus, you will not. You will become discouraged if you try to do it in a religious way. The only way that you can ever be like Jesus is through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit 
saving you and filling you so that you can walk in the Spirit and not in the lust of your flesh. Romans 3.19, this isn't just my opinion. Listen to what it says. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. And the phrase here, under the law, means being crushed under the heavy weight of the law so that every mouth may be stopped. The purpose of the law is to say, God can say to you on judgment, shut, shut up, stop. You couldn't do my commandments. You broke them all. No more excuses. And that the whole world may be held accountable. God says, here's what I asked you to do. You couldn't do it. Here's my Ten Commandments, and not one of you, of 36 billion people who've lived from Adam and Eve till today, not one of you kept all ten. I don't want to hear it. This is what God's saying. I want, not, this is not my words. Every mouth may be stopped, and that the whole world may be held accountable. And so you are going to be held accountable because you did not obey me, and that the wages of sin is death. But... Look at verse 20, it says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. It's, you know what's sad is most of the religions in the world that call themselves Christian teach that you do good, you go to heaven. And I'm like, what Bible are you reading? People say, well, that's just your interpretation. Just read it in black and white. Forget any personal Baptist interpretation, Catholic interpretation. Just read the Bible for what it says. By the works of the law, no human being, not one, will ever be justified in God's sight. The only person who ever kept all the commandments was who? Jesus. He said, since through the law, here's what the law does. It says you're, you're a mess up. You, you can't do it. That's what the law does. Jesus kept the laws. You didn't. Jesus was perfect. You're not. And so that's what the law is trying to teach us. So here's the, if you don't know Christ, here's the door's that are presented to you. You can accept Jesus' payment for your sin and trust him to forgive yourself and control your life. Or you can run your own life and pay your own consequences for your sin in hell. The choice is yours. You get to make that choice, and I would not put that off. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates or shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, people unable to keep the law, Christ died for us. We broke the law, he took the punishment. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, him dying on the cross, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. God's wrath is going to be poured out on everyone who broke his laws. But Jesus took our punishment and God poured out his wrath on him. And if you trust in Christ, the commandments are just a lifestyle, but not a way to heaven, but just something you choose to live because you love him. So you can trust in Jesus today to save you from the punishment of your sins and confess him as the Lord of your life. I would I, ask for everybody to please pray with me. Would you do that? I would ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. And <clears throat> I ask you to do that so you can block out any distractions. If you know Christ without a shadow of a doubt, please pray that the Holy Spirit of God would open hearts. Would you do that? But if you don't know for sure, if you're having doubts that this is convicting you and you know the Holy Spirit of God is is convicting you, today is your day to trust Christ. Would you pray a prayer, something like this? The prayer is not going to save you. I can't stress that enough. But you, I want you to communicate in your heart to Jesus in your own words. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross today. I believe that today, that you died for me. I believe that you were buried, and then on the third day, you literally rose again. And so I give you my life. I want you to be the king of my life, the Lord of my life. And I accept your forgiveness because you paid the penalty for me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. If you made that decision today, I want you to, to let me know. This is my cell phone number. You can call me or text me anytime. Maybe you say, Gary, I don't know if I still believe this. I, I have questions. Let, let me know and contact me. All right, great. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. All right, we're going to do a question and answer session. Uh, Amanda, are you up for helping me with that? Okay, cool. Hello. Is okay. Good. Okay. Um, you know what? I wanted to ask my uh, my question that I sent to you via text. Ladies first. Um, 
And so this person was asking me, they're like, what happens? You know, it says she was actually listening to an audio book. And in the audio book, which is a, just a, it's, it was not a Christian book. It said, um, you know, that the dead in Christ will be raised out of the grave. And she was like, well, what happens if you're cremated? And I told her, I don't know, but I will ask my pastor. And I encouraged her to watch since we're having the Q&A. Great, great answer for that. Okay, so the God who spoke the universe into existence is not limited by our, the cells in our bodies being burned or being dismembered. I mean, you could have been blown up in a, a, by a bomb and your body parts going in 50 different directions. So the God, it's interesting though that every cell in your body has a frequency and God speaks the word and he could call that all into alignment. So anyway, does he, I, all I know is it, Paul said this mortal shall put on immortality. So you will have your body, it just will be changed in the moment and twinkling of an eye, okay? Now, if God needs to create more cells to do that, great, I'm sure. If he starts all over, all I know is when I see Matt's awesome beard in heaven, I will recognize Matt, okay? And I, some people are like, will we recognize each other in heaven? Yes, we very clearly will recognize each other in heaven. We will just look a whole lot better than we did here, okay? Just picture you at your best point, age 22, that's, that's you, you know, 22, Planet Fitness, seven days a week, eating vegan, that's you in heaven, okay? All right. That's good. Can you explain what is the mark of the beast in your hand? It's the vaccine. No, just kidding, just kidding, okay. Just, just, had to throw it out there. We're going to delete All right, that. No. Um, that's your forehead. Just kidding. All right, now, um, so in, in Revelation, we could say, it's interesting because it says the children of God have the mark, a mark, the mark of God in the forehead and the forehand. A lot of people forget that part. But it says that those who reject Christ and accept the mark of the beast, which the number being 666, accept it in their forehand or their forehead. And you say, well, is that spiritual? Well, we would say not because it goes on to say they will be forbidden to buy, sell, or trade without the mark. So it, it's using a real-world application, saying without this mark, you will not be able to buy. Now, when I, when I was only 13, I went to a prophecy conference that told us all about barcodes and everything way before any of this was real. And, you know, they, this guy, was, he knew all this stuff. And he said that, you know, if you go, right now, you, know, you go to the grocery store, like, oh, man, my wallet, you know? Well, your, your wallet has your credit card, and your credit card has a chip in it. And, of course, now they already have the, the, the technology to insert that chip, for all you do is do this to your hand. Just wave your hand by. What if your arm's full of stuff? Or what if it's cold out and you've got mittens? They just take that thing and go, scan your forehead. So, I mean, it's, the technology is all there. Is the vaccine that? Some people think, that, no, I don't think that, that's it. If you need to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. I, I hesitate to take the vaccine for a lot of other reasons that aren't associated with the mark of the beast. But that's a whole other problem. Man, I got political and I was trying not to. <laughs> okay, so the mark of the beast is an actual beast that is forced at, to buy, sell, and trade, to acknowledge that the Antichrist is Christ and not, and to reject Christ. During the tribulation, and Lord willing, if we're right on our theology, we're pre, we believe in pre-tribulation rapture, we'll be gone, and this will be happening while we're in the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, all right, go ahead. Yes, I'm a pre-tribber, Linda, yes. <laughs> Does it make sense if you don't want to have kids because you're scared of the world they're going to live in? There's a song by NF that says, the only person I judge is the one in the mirror. Uh, that was together. Okay, so the question is, does it make sense if you don't want to have kids because of, you're scared of the world they're going to live I, in? I think, yes, it does. Now, here's why. I, I think you have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis. You find out what God's will is for you. But let me just say, if, if I was a young man starting over, I would seriously pray about adopting as many kids as I could and not bringing any new ones into this world. That would be my preference, though. Don't take that as in that's the gospel for everybody. I just think it's been said several times, you've heard me say before, if every born-again Christian on the planet would adopt one child, there'd be no more orphanages. So I can understand someone saying, I don't want to bring a kid into the world. Now, if they're saying, I don't want to be a parent, I think that's probably another problem. But if you said, I'll take a kid who's in uh, Malaysia and rescue her out of sex trafficking and raise her in a Christian home, more power to you. I could... I can fully see that. But again, you need to pray for God's will in each situation. Could predestination and free will be as simple as the guy doesn't always get the girl? Both statements are true. Even those he even even though he chose us, 
we choose to reject him. Predestination is not a guarantee of heaven. Um, hmm. I'm not sure I understand the guy gets the girl analogy yet, but uh, no, predestination does mean a guarantee, okay? How God does that, I do not know, but the scripture is very clear. I mean, just a cursory reading of the book of Romans, not to mention the whole New Testament, but especially Romans, everyone who's predestined is saved. Jesus said, all that the Father gives to me shall surely come to me. The Father gave those who are predestined, and every single one of them guaranteed, Jesus said, will come to me. Now, that does not absolve you of a choice, though. And again, this is the thing that theologians have been dating, debating for thousands of years. And we want to tend to, like humans being, we want to get on one side, all predestination, 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 and you had nothing to do with it. I, I have a relative that says, I had nothing to do with the unsaved. I had no choice. I, I, I couldn't reject Jesus if I wanted to. I was predestined. I said, no. Then other people are like here, that God doesn't know who's going to pick, and, uh, and you have to make a choice. And, and the, the truth is both. And I, again, our brains are, to explain that and comprehend it is to comprehend God, which you know is impossible. Any others? All right, great. Hey, let's stand and let's sing with Chris and Mark. Amen, amen.